coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I've got my coach, Charlie, with me here today to preview Georgia's game against the Missouri Tigers, the game that hopefully will be played this time around. What do you think, Charlie? Do we get this one in? I don't know. Third time's a charm? I, I mean, who knows? We'll see. I'm done guessing. Like, when you... I mean, this game was, what, when it was originally supposed to be played a month ago, we found out Thursday, Right. And my heart was broken because I've been looking forward to this trip for two years. It's my favorite trip to make every every time we play them. Uh, it's my favorite SEC road trip. I made that clear. And uh, my heart was broken. Find out two days before that I can't go. So, yeah, I don't know. Last, well, last week was Friday. We find out that we're not playing Maryville. So, I guess right now it's on. But games are still getting canceled left and right. Who knows? A&M, Ole Miss. That was going to be a fun game, too. A&M, Ole Miss. Yep, that and was. I was looking forward to that one. That was one of my top three games of the weekend, probably. But... Not anymore, so hopefully we'll get it in this time around. But, all right, we're going to go ahead and... Wait, yeah? What are we talking about? Missouri? Yeah, but before we talk about that, I know you saw the news about Eric Gilbert opting out at LSU. Yeah. We're just not going to talk about that? I mean, yeah, I totally, of course I saw it, but not, now it's... I, actually, I was going to say it's nothing hard, but now like we know for sure he's opting out. Yeah, of course we can talk about it, but... This is supposed to be the Missouri preview show, so I'd like to, you know, I'm very, or, my mind is organized oh God, that way. Oh, you've never gone off script? I mean, Dare I, we not answer a question I'm or talk about I'm very, something? very routine-oriented. We have to follow the clip. As our listeners probably oh. can tell by our shows being a certain way. So the clipboard of fun didn't include anything... About Eric Gilbert. That wasn't I mean, about Mizzou? I fear, like, we've already gotten a ton of questions about Eric Gilbert, so I was trying to save those for the mailbag next week, but, all right, so... In the interest of being topical, yeah, we can talk about it for a second. Yeah, I, I saw Eric Gilbert, and at first it was just rumors. We asked some questions immediately when the smoke started. Hit. I guess it was Monday, maybe Tuesday. I think Monday, right? Today's Wednesday. We're recording this, so it was. I guess it was Monday when the news, or I guess the smoke, the rumors started. But I don't like to uh, traffic in rumors. Uh, I like to have a little bit more to go on. The rumors are fun, but like we don't know if that's going to happen. So I reached out to a few people. I didn't hear anything hard. And when I heard back, they're like, we don't know. We're hearing there's a good chance. But like, guys, you have to understand that we can't really contact him until he officially hits the transfer portal, if he hits the transfer portal. Right now, he's just opting out. He's not in the transfer portal. So on my end, trying to find out from people that I know around town here in Athens what's going on, they don't really know that much um, other than what we're hearing, the rumors, because he's not in the transfer portal. And we can't officially talk to him, not legally at least. And Kirby Smart would never do that. So I don't know. Um, but we did get confirmation this morning, late last night, that, yeah, he's officially opted out. He's told Coach O. He's opting out the rest of the season. I'm curious what you think about that. Can is it, uh, can we – are we still calling this opting out? Here we are. No, it's quitting. Right. Exactly, right? Like, opting Sorry. out is what Jamie Newman did. If you haven't f- figured out yet, folks, I don't sugarcoat anything. So, no. It's when it comes quitting. to that kind of – when it comes to accountability, you don't sugarcoat But you've things. been playing – this whole time, practicing, playing, yes. doing probably God knows what else, but now you choose to opt out and you're using COVID, yet you've been playing, tackling people, breathing all over September, each since other. Since late September. 
And and now you decide that it's a health hazard. Right. Mm, no, it's called right. you're using a reason that you can because it's available, but really it's just quitting. It's called a loophole. They're taking. Yeah. It's like it's now become acceptable this year to opt to opt out because of COVID because you can't challenge them. You can't say, oh well, it's like you can't actually in the media say it's not because of COVID because you're questioning the kid's integrity and media members don't do that. But let's be real, guys. He's not opting out because of COVID. He's opting out number one because he's probably homesick. He's opting out because they're terrible. And TJ Finley cannot get him the football. And he's opting out. And I don't know how much it has to, has to do with it, but I don't know if you guys noticed, there's a major major Title IX like, sexual assault scandal going on at LSU right now, like Baylor-esque. It's not hadn't gotten to that point yet, but like it could rise to that level. And uh, he's not the only player that's opting out, leaving, transferring. They've had a, a rash of that this season. And uh, it's interesting. So he's, he's definitely opted out the rest of the season. Uh, what I what I heard in rumor mill, I don't know how true this is, but his mom was there and uh, he's going to take him back home. We'll see if he enters, enters the transfer portal. That obviously bears a lot of watching. And if he hits a transfer portal, then all bets are off. I, I think if he if he does decide to transfer, if he enters the portal, and I don't know. I mean, obviously LSU is fighting to keep him on the team because he's a super talented guy. But if he hits the portal, I mean, if it's because he's homesick, where else is he going, Charlie? I mean, he's coming to Georgia, right? Like, he's tight with Jermaine Burton, by the way. Him and Jermaine Burton are really tight. Jermaine Burton was going to play at Marietta with him until Jermaine Burton's family had to move to California, out to Calabasas. Um, so, and I know Burton's been in his ear. At least that's what, what I hear. But, I, I mean, I think if he, if he does decide, decide to transfer, I think it's probably Georgia. I mean, I, I think actually Alabama ended up the runner-up in his recruitment. But if it's because he's homesick and he wants to get closer to his family – I think Georgia, wait, what Georgia, Georgia Tech makes the most sense, and it's not going to be Georgia Tech. I wouldn't imagine a guy of that caliber. But, dude, if, if we do end up getting him, of course, we'll keep our eyes on it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I know. But if we do, oh, my God. Eric Gilbert is uh, a freak at tight end. And I know we have Darnell Washington, so some people are saying, we don't, we don't want this guy. We have Darnell Washington. We have Brock Bowers coming in. Yeah, all that's true. Darnell Washington is great. I really like what I've seen from him as a true freshman. He's a different kind of guy than Eric Gilbert. There's a place for both those guys on our team. Zero questions asked. Like if Eric Gilbert wants to come to Georgia, you take him. Zero questions asked. And this is why I told you guys on the mailbag show, like when we we're some people are asking, like, are we gonna finish with a top three class? I said it depends on numbers. Do we sign a full class? I don't think we will, because with the transfer portal and the likelihood that this one-time penalty penalty-free transfer deal is gonna pass this year for next year, I think Kirby's probably gonna hold some spots open for for the transfer portal. And a guy like Eric Gilbert, that's why you hold spots open. You never know who's going to hit the market. You never know. Sometimes it's a guy that just couldn't cut it somewhere else, but sometimes it's a guy like Eric Gilbert who's just homesick. And that guy's a freak five-star talent. That's a, a Kyle Pitts-esque tight end that could be a difference maker for us. You throw him with George Pickens and Jermaine Burton and Kiaris Jackson, if Kiaris comes back, like watch out, people. Arian Smith, watch out. So, I mean, I would welcome him with open arms. But you're right, Charlie. It's kind of quitting. I'm not going to lie. It is quitting. It's not kind of it's, quitting. It's quitting. It it's is quitting. quitting. But it's quitting that can work out in our favor? I just... But okay, let's say... That, but the kid is truly homesick. So... Right. If he's homesick, like, do you fault him for that? Like, it's it's quitting, yes, but there's a negative connotation that comes along with quitting. Is it... Isn't it okay, like, if you miss your family and you feel like you made the wrong decision when you're an 18-year-old kid to say, you know what? I messed up. I want to fix this. No, and but I wanna... can he finish the season? Yes, I think I think the answer should be yes there. Commitment, hello. But we also don't know what's going on completely behind the scenes. We don't know the scenario, like the sexual assault stuff. How, how much? How many that, more weeks are there? I mean, they've got this. I think they they have. I think they're 
play, they're playing Florida. They I would not want to personally be associated with such a program. However, I will say, isn't it better for him to be working out with a program than not working out? Um, I'm sure he has a, a trainer at home. God. I mean, you would think so. But these guys are that high, highly talented guy. I mean, they got they have trainers. And if, and if he's going to transfer, he's going to transfer in the portal. Sorry, sometimes you have to suck it up and do what you said you were going to do. And finish the season? And finish. Because cause yeah. if he's if he's opting out and he's leaving school, he's foregoing... Okay. No, he's finishing the semester online. Mm. So then, yeah, I really disagree. Why? I mean, finish the semester in at school and then playing football are two different things. Right. But just go ahead and finish the season. Okay. That's, I mean, I'm glad he's finishing the semester, but, like, come on. Just finish. I will give you this. You are very consistent on this. Like, you don't pick and choose. No! You said you were going to do something, you finish it. I respect that. I do respect that, but I also say there are extenuating circumstances sometimes that we don't know behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know. If someone is ill at home and you need to go be with that person, okay. But I don't think that's the situation. But he's an 18-year-old kid who got homesick and... So every time in life, you're you're setting the precedent okay, that fair. every I, time I don't something doesn't work out the way you thought it would, you're just going to pack up and leave. Not a way to go through life. But, but you're okay with him packing up and leaving in one week when he finishes the season? If you finish the season. But he, he, but he, he didn't commit football, for a season. Didn't he? he didn't commit for a season. He committed for four years. Or right. Or three or four years. So either way, he's going to leave before his commitment is up. Right. But let's at least finish the season. Let's at least finish one benchmark. Okay. Like, geez, come on. All right. Finish something. Otherwise, you're just, I mean, I, I don't get it. It's not my I, DNA. I, I understand. And I don't disagree with you. I don't. Um, I just. 18-year-olds absolutely make it. He made a decision. He doesn't like it. Sure. Transfer portal. Awesome. Don't care about that part. What did your parents do to you when you were a child? So many things. Oh, my God. So many things. I am a tortured soul. Yeah, clearly. However. I'm sorry. You said you were going to do something. You can't just quit on these people a week out. Just the teammates. That's what I have a hard time with. Yeah. Like, they, they've committed. Like, that's you're tough, You're setting man. the precedent because then you go and play. Okay, so you're going to come to Georgia. Okay, well, hmm. This guy's coming in. Yeah, he's really good. We really want you to play. You're going to get playing time right away. This is awesome. But, oh, are you going to decide that like something better might be like down the street? I don't know. What you well, do? Commitment doesn't matter anymore in our society. Exactly, and, and that's I know you have a problem. problem. Yeah, like it's it's beca- we've talked about this before. Eighteen-year-olds can make plenty of decisions that they don't like. However, you need to finish something. So finish the. So season, if an eighteen-year-old starts dating semester, somebody, they just gotta finish it. Got ticket. We gotta go walk, this, no. walk the aisle, guys. You gotta get married. But you didn't sign a contract. Okay, that's taking fair. financial aid that's from fair. a school for an educate for classes and education. That's a good point. And now you're just gonna be like, oh, sorry, um, yeah, COVID. But the society, like, but that's, you've been playing right. this whole time. Please don't use that excuse. Just say I don't like it. Yeah, either. that that's so disingenuous. Like, oh my god, it's not like you're insulting my intelligence. I know you have to use that excuse so you can preserve the year of eligibility. I get all that, but like, come on. Uh, but that, we've talked about this before, Charlie. It's just uh, our society now where. It's okay to be selfish. It's it's more okay now to be selfish than it ever has been. Like, and it's like not even not, not even that it's okay that you're selfish. Like, you're not even really allowed to criticize people for making decisions like that. Like, it's just it's not only become accepted. It's just like, oh, how dare you question their integrity? And it's like, well, I mean, I'm sure he's a good dude, but like, your teammates, man, like 
you're quitting on them. That's kind of what you're doing. I know, you, I know LSU has nothing to play for. I get that. I get they have nothing to play for. I understand that. But those guys are still going out there and playing. I, I don't know. I'm with you, Charlie, on uh, most of what you're saying. Maybe not as um, hardcore on that side, but... You're I, a nicer human being than I am. It's okay. I'm not a nicer. I'm... Um, Listeners, hit us up. Who's nicer? We should take a poll. I'm not nicer. Charlie you, or Tyler? You are, like the, you are such an incredibly nice person. You are. Deep down, you're, one, you're a wonderful person. But you have, you're... You're, uh, I have high expectations. You're a hard ass. I'm just going to say it. And I have high expectations. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a go along, get, get along kind of guy. You're just sure. like. Sure. You're like. Okay. So, okay. Let's put this in context with us. Okay. So I say I'm going to do two shows a week. What if I decided like a month ago? They're like, sorry, dude. I just, no. And that would put me in a bad spot. Right. Is that fair? No. no. So I said I was going to do it. So I'm gonna you're do it. you're right. I I don't disagree with you. I just I also th- think there's a human element to it. Sometimes we can't ignore the life humans. is hard. Sometimes it you is have hard. To, you yes. Have to, you have yes. to suck it up and deal and get with it, it done. Yeah. We do it every day. He's done it for how long this season? Oh, and now he's like, uh, eh, sorry, like no, like the last few weeks, sorry, you can't. All true. All fair. Well said, well said, well said. All right, Charlie, calm down. Well, you're not supposed to tell women to calm down, right? Sorry, my bad. Won't do that. Won't make that, that mistake again. That was a again. heavy sigh if you couldn't hear okay. it. Okay, anyway. Okay, now. It makes it worse that you said you're not supposed to tell women to calm down. Does it? That makes it worse. I just know that I've gotten in trouble for that before. and I, so I You just shouldn't tell anyone to calm down. But it, it comes from a good place. I just want you to be okay. You're just worked up right now. Yeah. I'm that's, annoyed. But I like it. Not, uh, I like about, this side of Charlie. About more than this. There are other things going on that I'm super yeah. frustrated with. Yeah. But that's not for this podcast. Yeah. And they're probably listen, sick of listening to us argue. Yeah. I'm Anyways. sure they are. Anyway. Can I officially move on now? Do I have sure. your permission? Sure. Okay. I've lost control of the podcast. I guess. I'm moving on. Okay. All right. Now we're going to officially move on and talk about this week's game against the Missouri Tigers who, guys, in case you missed it, I'm sure you guys saw this. You're a football fan. You, you watched the the Cosswell playoff reveal or the rankings reveal. But in case you didn't happen to miss, I know you guys are busy too. Missouri's now ranked in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings, man. They're in the top 25, and those are the rankings that matter. The AP rankings don't matter. College football playoff committee has them in the top 25 after their cardiac win over Arkansas last week. Did you catch that, Charlie? Yeah. That was awesome. It was probably the game of the day. It was yeah. an awesome game. Yeah, that game it was, was a good game. It was, it was an awesome game. But, um, yeah, they're in top 25, and here is where I'm going to turn things over to Charlie, although Charlie's got a hat control since the beginning of the show. But, Charlie, I'm handing you the reins. All right. Where are we going? Well, how many times would you say we've been threatened this year? Not us, like the team. We get threatened all the time. That's a daily occurrence. That's like an hourly occurrence. <laughs> um, ooh, Georgia? How I'm yeah. Threatened to lose a game? Yeah. Probably the two games we lost. I mean, you could say yeah. Mississippi State. I, I mean, it was a close game, but like I didn't. Maybe that last drive in Mississippi State was we were up by seven. Mississippi State was going to they were driving a little bit. And they were trying to score. I thought if they scored, they were going to go for two. But I didn't feel like we were ever going to lose that game. I know the, the game against Kentucky was kind of close, but that was because we wanted it to be. We were never in doubt of losing that game. I think we've. I mean, we dominated Auburn. We dominated. I mean, Tennessee and in in Arkansas were close for a half, but then we dominated both those second halves and, and won easily. Dominated South Carolina. Yeah, I'd say the two losses. Yeah. So I agree. The first half of the Arkansas game was rough, and we won that game easily. Tennessee was close for a half, but we ended up blowing them out. And Mississippi State, as you said, was closer than it should have been. But 
I never really felt like we were going to yeah. lose that one. No. We dominated Auburn, Kentucky, and South Carolina, and then lost to Bama and Florida. What kind of threat does Missouri pose to the dogs on Saturday if we play? If we play. God, this knock on wood. I'm just so sad that I'm not going to be there. Anyway, um, they pose a threat. Yeah, look, Missouri, okay, they're not an Alabama or Florida level threat. They're not threat level Florida, threat level Bama. That's not a threat level Bama. But they're more of a threat than any other team that we've faced all year. I believe that, especially with how they're playing right now. Maybe if we played them week three like Tennessee, it wouldn't be the case. But we're not playing them week three. We're playing them in week whatever extra week this is, week 12, 13. This was week 13, right? Yeah, we're doing week, we're on week 13 now. And they're much better. They're a different team. They, have a, they actually have a quarterback now. The quarterback situation was a mess early in the year. I think if you look at some of the games that Missouri lost – Bama, they were going to beat Bama in week one. But Tennessee, I think if they played Tennessee now, they would beat Tennessee. I think they would beat Tennessee pretty handily. They lost that game in Knoxville earlier in the year. That's when Sean Robinson was still playing quarterback for them. Baisley had not taken over. Baisley took over in the second half of that game, and he's had the job ever since. And they were, he was named the starter after that game because Robinson was a, was a train wreck in that game, and that's why they lost. Uh, they would beat Tennessee if they played them now. Um, they beat LSU. Who else? The Missouri? They would not beat Florida. But this is a good team, guys, especially the way they're playing right now. I think this is the best team. The way they're playing right now is the best team that we have played outside of Bama and outside of Florida. They are rolling on offense right now over the last two games. And get these numbers, guys. I mean, this is as good as it gets in America over the last two weeks. Over the last two games, they are, uh, they've put up 1,256 yards, over 600 yards each last two games. They scored 91 combined points over the last two weeks, guys. So they're averaging essentially a little over 600 yards a game and about 45 points a game over the last two games. That's big time. Quarterback Connor Basic, redshirt freshman, this guy is the reason for that. He's uh, over the last two games completing 73.2% of his passes, averaging 350 yards passing a game. He's completed 69% of his passes for the year. He changed this team. When they finally made the move to him after, I think it was week three, I think it's when they played Tennessee, when they made the move to Basilic, that is when this offense changed. That's when this team changed. That's when they started winning football games. That's when they started to become a different team. He's been lights out for them. I mean, when you're talking about being relative for a redshirt freshman. So he's really good, but it's not just him. On offense, you got Larry Roundtree. He seems like he's one of those guys. I know this is so cliche, but he's one of those guys that seems like he's been at Missouri for 34 years. Like he's been there forever. Uh, but he's top five in the league in his senior year in rushing uh, and also top five in rushing touchdowns. Top three, actually, in rushing touchdown league. He's averaging over 100 yards a game. They have a good wide receiver in Damon Hazleton. has been out of the lineup, in the lineup with injuries and COVID issues at times this year. So he's actually not their leading receiver, but he's a former 1,000-yard receiver at Virginia Tech. He was a grad transfer at Missouri this year. I think he's their most talented option receiver. He's healthy. He's playing right now. He's a good player, man. He's a guy you got to match up with. Um, you know, on defense, they have one of the best linebackers in the league, Nick Bolton. Really one of the best linebackers in all of America. I think Nick Bolton is an all-American caliber inside linebacker. That guy might be the best linebacker in the SEC. He, he very well might be. I think we've got some good backers, but Nick Bolton's a dude. Um, then you, they actually have – one thing I think is impressive about Missouri's defense is they, they might not be elite at every position defensively, but they have a really one really good dude at each level of defense. They've got Kobe Whiteside on the defensive line, Nick Bolton at linebacker, and Tyree Gillespie who's been playing for a long time for them in the secondary at safety. They've got some good players. They're not elite everywhere on defense, but they have a couple of guys on defense. In your SEC, you're going to have that. 
Um, they're also fourth in the SEC in total defense. They've held teams under 300 yards of offense three times this year, which essentially amounts to about 40% of their games. They're holding teams under 300 yards of offense. So not an elite defense, but a but a good defense. Not an elite offense, but an offense that's really clicking on all cylinders right now. They, haven't been, they have not been elite all year. They're playing elite right now, but they've got some players, and I do think this is a team that will pose the biggest threat to us outside of Alabama and Florida. Okay. Well, next up, Eli Drinkwitz is a new name in the SEC this year, and a lot of Georgia fans might not be that familiar with him. So for those that might not know, what do you know about his background, and what's your opinion of him so far? Well, Drinkwitz... I feel like other schools in the SEC are like, oh... I'm shocked, surprised. That he's good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't little, look the part. He's a little nerdy looking. I like it, though. A little? It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a new character. If you like the quintessential suburban dad look, then yes. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the way he looks. There's I, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying that's what he looks like. He, you know. Is like, that what you're into? Like, like, I don't know. You've got, like, all, you could have, like, a reality TV show with just the coaches based off of their different personalities. Like, Eli Drinkowitz, Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, who's like using think <laughs> harsh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, like, I mean grumpy old like grandpa yelling at yeah. everyone. And then Get off my lawn. That's Nick yeah. Saban, yes. Yeah. But somehow he recruits like 18-year-old kids from inner city. Yeah, there's but... like similarities among some of the coaches. You even and... mentioned Lane Kiffin. Come on. Did yeah. you mention Lane Kiffin? I did. Oh, he did you? Like I missed the first that. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed that. And then you've got Eli Drinkwitz, who's kind of a little nerdy. Hey, guys. Can yeah. I come in? <laughs> hey, I'm the new guy. It's good What's, what's have, good around here? It's good to have, you know, a different personality. Yes. And I don't know if that's his personality. He just looks – he's got the glasses and, like – the haircut and the, the the really baggy khakis. So he's got the nerdy look, which, hey, that's okay. Like, I mean, that's fine because he's a good football coach. But um, going back in his background, so let's go back just a couple years. He was an offensive coordinator at NC State. That's really what got him into the head coaching ranks. He had, he had Ryan Finley there uh, for a couple years, and, uh, and their offenses were really good at NC State with Finley. He parlayed that into a head coaching job at Appalachian State, where um, which was last year's his only year as a head coach prior to getting the job at um, at Missouri, which is abnormal for an SEC coach. You guys only had one year of head coaching experience. But in his one year at Appalachian State, they won the Sun Belt title. They went 13-1, and and he got the he got the job. He got the job. With Missouri, and they kind of went the opposite of Barry Odom. I mean, and it was a good hire for them because let's think about this: Missouri's not going to get an elite name. That's not it's not one of those destination programs necessarily. But they can get a guy that's an up and comer like an Eli Drinkwitz. A good, and they want a guy as an offensive mind after having a defensive minded head coach. And uh, they go with Eli Drinkwitz, and I think he's done a really good job. He's a great offensive mind. Uh, does a lot of really interesting things offensively. Does uses a lot of motion and shifting to force defenses to kind of show what coverage they're in, uh, create mismatches, obviously, and then and just generally trying to create confusion and create busts in the secondary because that's when you hit big plays, guys. Sure, sometimes you just burn the, the DBs, but a lot of times the big plays come when you create b- situations where teams are confused and they're going to have busts in the secondary. And he does a pretty good job of that. His offense is like it's weird though, like you. I think he has this reputation of being like this high-flying, creative guy, and he does some creative things offensively. But his offenses, if you look back at his history, they've always been really balanced. I mean, even this year, they're about 50-50 run pass, which kind of makes sense with a redshirt freshman quarterback. But but that's what they do, and that's what he's done pretty much everywhere he's been. He's been relatively balanced, if not running the ball a little bit more than they actually throw the ball. So I think that's a misconception that some people have about Eli Drinkwitz. But um, yeah, I mean, look, he's... He might have that. That he might be a dorky-looking dude, be that quintessential suburban-looking dad, which is cool. Hey, that's I, I grew up in the suburbs. I, I get that. But 
but look beyond that, guys, because this guy actually has some fire in him. There was a, a kind of a, a video that made the rounds after he landed Ennis Rakestraw, who was one of the, the was really the top player they landed in their class last year. And he basically beat out Alabama to get him last year. I think in the second, in the late signing period. And um, he, there's a video of him just like going crazy, running to the football offices, going nuts. So he has some fire to him, and the guy can coach. I do have a pretty high opinion of him. I, I, I think the jury's still out how good he can be long term. But I've been impressed with what I've seen from him and this Missouri team in year one. He's got, he's a good offensive mind. They're doing, they're doing things on offense right now. All right. Well, it's time to transition into our three-two-one, where you're going to give us three reasons to like Georgia's chances against Mizzou, two reasons for concern and one key to the game. So let's start with the three reasons to like Georgia's chances. All right, can I give you a bonus one? Can I go, well, no, you know what, I'll go three. I'll save one for a key to the game. I'm gonna start with the basics here. Let's just start with the roster situation. Like when you're In this COVID era, you gotta start there. And I hate to even bring this up because I'm afraid I'm gonna jinx this. But as of Tuesday, Missouri was, they were above the threshold, but they were at 59 scholarship players as of Tuesday, last time I, I heard. That's enough to play, but that's obviously not a full SEC roster. And they were, they're already going to be at a talent and, and quality depth deficit coming into this game when you're facing Georgia with the talent that we have, that we're able to recruit, and, and the, the quality depth that we have up and down the roster, but especially defensively. So when you're already at that talent and depth deficit, and now you're down to 59 scholarship players as of Tuesday, might be lower than that by the time the game gets here, that certainly doesn't help. That, that's going to make it an uphill battle for a Missouri team that is playing well right now. But still, when you're when you're playing the caliber of Georgia, because uh, let's be real, Vanderbilt, okay, all right. Arkansas, solid year, but not Georgia, okay. So that's going to make it a little bit tough for them. I do expect them to come out hot in the first half. I mean, look, they're playing a top 10 opponent, right? It's a chance to go out on the right. Uh, I, think, I think they actually have to play, they're supposed to play Vanderbilt next week. So they still have another game. But it's a chance to really kind of get some momentum going into the offseason. So I fully expect them to come out hot in the first half. But the second half is where the number situation, that's going to really start to come into play then. So, yeah, I think that is something to, to as a Georgia fan, to be, I don't want to say get overconfident about, but that's certainly a reason to like our chances going into this game is that we are just in a better situation from a roster standpoint. Say what you want about Kirby Smart, but we've done a really good job. I and mean, it's not just him, the players too. The, the whole team's program's done a great job buying in and not having this crazy COVID outbreak. It's, it's just strange how some programs are able to get buy with that and other programs like Vanderbilt just can't seem to to get that right but there, that's, there's one for me I got a couple more here for you another reason to like our chances here is that this Missouri team can be thrown on it's kind of misleading though when you look at the numbers if, if you just look at the numbers like where they are in the in the overall college football rankings the SEC rankings you would say I don't think Georgia really has a great chance to throw in Missouri because if you look at it Missouri is number three in pass defense in the SEC we're only ninth in the SEC in passing offense so you would say Tyler what are you talking about this team can be thrown how is Georgia gonna have success throwing on the on the number three passing defense in the in the league when we have the ninth pass ninth best passing offense in the league because those numbers are misleading guys because yeah sure they're number three in the SEC in passing offense but against every team with a pulse on offense they have struggled defending the pass. Bama, Florida, LSU all threw over 300 yards on them. I think LSU threw over 400 on them. KJ Jefferson at Arkansas was a surprise starter. We thought it was going to be Felipe Franks. No one knew. At least I didn't know. KJ Jefferson comes out there, first start for Arkansas, throws for 275 and three touchdowns and almost leads them to victory on the road in, in Columbia. So against teams with a pulse, they haven't been great against the pass. It's basically the teams like Kentucky and South Carolina, who can't throw the football, have no chance to throw the football. They've been really good against them, but against 
teams that can throw. It's kind of like us, honestly, against teams that can throw the football, we haven't had a ton of success. And you look at our passing offense on the flip side. Yeah, we're ninth in the league in passing offense out of 14 teams, but the vast majority of the season, we're playing with a former walk-on at quarterback, all right? We had multiple games where George Pickens doesn't play. You have a true freshman, Jermaine Burton, who started every game this season. He's grown up some now, a lot now, but early in the season, he was a work in progress, right? So you put it in context and you look at what we have now, we are a different offense. We are a different team right now. We are different at quarterback with JT Daniels being the first quarterback since 2013, Aaron Murray in 2013 to throw for 400 yards, the first quarterback to throw for 400 yards in in the Kirby Smart era. He's he's in the lineup right now. We've got all the wide receivers healthy except for, for Rosemary Jack Saint. But we, we've got the guys who are starting the season. You've got Kiaris Jackson. You've got George Pickens. You've got Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton has really grown up in a big way. Darnell Washington has grown up. Uh, Trey McKitty's in the lineup now. He's, he's making some plays for us. So this is a different passing offense. It's a different offense in general. So I think this team, if you look at what we have in our, with our passing game and our arsenal right now, I think we will have the ability to throw the football in them regardless of what the numbers say. If you watch the games, I think their corners are okay, but they're not great. They can be thrown on. Ennis Rakestraw, I mentioned him, is a big-time recruiter for them last year. He's been thrown out there as a true freshman starting from day one, and he has gotten torched, guys. He's gotten torched from time to time, actually pretty consistently. I think he's going to be a good player. He's got a good skill set, but he um, he gets torched in man coverage, and I think we have the guys that can make that happen. Jarvis Ware on the other side has been a pretty good but certainly not a shutdown type guy. And on top of that, it's not just the guys that are covering out there. They don't really have a dominant pass rusher. Trajan Jeffcoat's a good pass rusher. He's got five sacks on the year, but he's not a dominant guy. He's not the same as some of the guys that Missouri's had in years past, the Michael Sams, Shane Rays of the world, Marcus Golden's of the world. He's not that kind of guy. It's weird. Like Missouri's really fallen off when it comes to pass rushers. For a while, it seemed like every single year, they were just churning out elite pass rushers year after year after year. Sam, Ray, Golden. But it's been a couple years now. And Trajan Jeffcoat's a good pass rusher. He's not dominant, though. Not a guy that that that, that scares me to death. So I think that we're okay there holding up. And we do our offensive line's done a pretty good job in pass protection all year. We really have. Run blocking sometimes has been hit or miss, but we've done a good job protecting the passer, and I think we'll be okay there. So I think we are going to have a chance to throw the football on them. And then uh, my third reason to like our chances here is, look, I know, I know I just told you guys they put up over 600 yards of offense the past two games, each of the past two games, okay? They've thrown for over 300 yards each of the past two games. But still, watch the tape, guys. When you watch the tape and look at this team, I just don't think they have the wide receiver and tight end personnel that are going to cause us issues in the secondary the way that Bama's and Florida's receivers and tight ends did, their skill personnel. I don't think they have those kind of guys. They just don't. Uh, I think Bates looks good, but he's also not Mac Jones. He's not Kyle Trask, okay? So I don't think we have major matchup issues there. We saw that we got exposed, and there were some major issues matching up with the Florida skill players and the Alabama skill players. We we saw that, right? But I don't think Missouri's skill talent poses that same level of issue. Uh, they have a couple guys that are good receivers. Kiki Chisholm as uh, a grad transfer. Uh, Damon Hazleton is a grad transfer coming from Virginia Tech. Good receivers. Uh, Dove is a guy that's coming on for them lately. But those guys, that's they're not Devontae Smith. It's not Jalen Waddle. It's not Kyle Pitts. It's not Kadarius Tony. They don't have those guys. They have guys that we should respect, but I also don't think they have the guys that are going to really just pose problems for our DBs the way that we saw against Florida and Alabama. And also, yeah, they're putting up big numbers the past two weeks, but let's put it in context, guys. They did that against Arkansas and Vanderbilt, okay? Those 600 yards game were against Arkansas and Vanderbilt. And Arkansas's pass defense, 
101st nationally. Vanderbilt's pass defense, 121st nationally. Not very good. So yes, they've put up some big numbers. You got to respect them for that, but let's put it into context, all right? Let's put it in context, especially when, you, when Vanderbilt is one of those games. So, I, and if you look at the rest of, if you look at their game logs the rest of the year and just watch their games, they have not been an elite passing offense really other than the last two weeks. And I question, like, is that who they've become? Is that because they've grown into that? Because Basic has just gotten that good? Receivers have gotten healthy, kind of like you can say with Georgia, with, with our offense and our passing game? Or is it more of a function of the fact they're playing Arkansas and Vanderbilt who are both ranked in the hundreds in passing defense nationally? I think I'd probably lean more that direction because that's just not who they've been all year. They have gotten better. I'll give them that. And Basic is good. I just don't know if they're a team that's going to be putting up 600 yards a game consistently moving forward. I just don't see that happening this week. So those are my three reasons to be optimistic. All right. Well, now let's go with the stuff that no one wants to hear. What are the two reasons we should be concerned about Georgia's chances to win on Saturday? Okay, the first one, so I just talked about their skill talent out wide, like the receivers and tight ends not being matchup problems. Well, there is one major matchup problem I see in this game, and that's Tyler Beatty, running back Tyler Beatty. Okay, he is um, their version of James Cook, just to kind of put in context that you are in um, a way that you guys might understand from our perspective here. He's their version of James Cook, a guy they use out of the backfield in the passing game. Um, and he's more he's more a part of their offense than we have made James Cook a part of our offense. He's more he's not necessarily a focal point. And they they always talk about wanting to get him the ball more. It's always a question because he is a dynamic playmaker. He might be the most dynamic playmaker on the entire team. Maybe like like I've always said about James Cook, but they have a tough time finding ways to get him the ball because he's not really a receiver. He's not really a true running back. Um, he's more of an NFL. Like he, I think he's a guy that might have more of an NFL future than than uh, Roundtree will because the way he can catch the ball in the backfield. But Tyler Beatty, guys is the top receiving running back in the SEC. He's tops in the, in the SEC from that position as a receiver out of the backfield. And you know, you know that Eli Drinkwitz and that offensive coaching staff, they're not dumb. Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. They saw what Florida, and to maybe a little bit of a lesser degree, Mississippi State and South Carolina have done to us recently with running backs in the past game out of the backfield. They, of course, they've seen that. So what are we going to see for them? Oh yeah, we're going to see rub routes. We're going to see wheel routes. We're going to see option routes with a guy like Tyler Beatty out of the backfield and force our linebackers and our safeties to prove that we have fixed those issues. We fixed our eye discipline. We figured out how to defend a rub route. And those are tough to defend, but we've, there are ways that you can you can handle that. Passing guys off, there's different ways you can handle that. Can we defend a wheel route of the backfield? We are going to see a good dose of that this week. I'd be shocked if we don't, because that's what Tyler Bay does well. That's what we've had trouble defending. And uh, that's certainly something to uh, to be concerned about going to this game because we've we've had lesser running backs and lesser passing games. Well, I should say lesser passing games, but lesser running backs hurt us in that regard this year. And Tyler Bay is the best receiving running back that we face this year. So certainly something to watch for there. That's a, that's a reason to be concerned. And the second reason to be concerned, I, I don't know how much this factors in, but I think it, it could factor in. It's something that, it bears watching. I don't know if you've seen the forecast in Missouri on Saturday, Charlie. Have you paid attention? Uh, rainy? Snowy. Snowy. Okay, that's even worse. Oh, it, my God. Oh, my I God. I, 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 would, I would literally give my right arm to be there to say I was at a game that Georgia played that was snowing. I, I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think it's ever happened. No, but it would be incredible as a fan to be there and watch it. That would be incredible. But for our team, not going to be so incredible. Yeah, I know it's been cold around here and – a colder, I guess, than maybe it was in October, but it hasn't been like snowy weather. In Missouri, it gets really cold at times this time of year. They're more used to that. They're more equipped to play in that than we are. 
We just, it's like Florida a couple times. You know, Florida has they beat them last year in Missouri, but two times before that they lost to Missouri. They go to Missouri and they, and they got beat because they played them in November after they play us, and it's cold there. They play them at night and it's cold. So that's I don't know how much a factor that will be, but it's certainly not something that I think plays in our advantage. It's something to to, to certainly watch there because I I don't know like you you can as a coach you try to simulate the conditions that the games are going to be as much as you possibly can. And I guess you can put the guys in the indoor facility and really crank up the air conditioner, but that's not the same as playing in snow if that does indeed end up happening. So that's um, that's something to, to be at least slightly concerned about going into this game. All right. And last, let's see. Finally, what is the one key to Georgia coming home with a victory? Coming home from Como with a dub. Um, I mean, there's always a lot of reasons, but if I had to boil it down to one, very simply... Can we stop the run and make their offense one-dimensional? I've talked about Connor Basic, the quarterback, six foot three, good-sized quarterback, gonna be a good player for them for a couple years now, uh, or moving in the future. But while he's good and their pass game has been rolling, their passing game really only functions at its optimum level when it's complemented by a good rushing attack. Yeah, they've thrown for over 300 yards each of the last two games. I think he's averaged about 350 yards passing the past two games, right around there. But they've also been complemented with 250 yards rushing on average over the last two games against Arkansas and, and Vanderbilt. And really, again, going back to what I said about Eli Drinkwitz, everywhere this guy has been as an offensive coordinator and a play caller, his offenses have relied on balance. When they aren't balanced in the play action game isn't working, because a lot of their passing game is off play action. When that's not working because you're not able to run the football, their offense doesn't really function like it needs to. I guess you can say that about any offense, but some offenses rely on that more than others, and I think this is one of them. I mean, let's just look at go to go to the numbers here. Let's look at some of the games that they that they've lost or, or really struggled in. Bama, they ran the ball for 69 yards, averaged 2.9 yards per attempt. What was the result? They lost by 20. Florida, they ran the ball for 40 yards, 1.7 yards per attempt against a really bad Florida rush defense. It's hard to understand how that happened. What happened in that game? They lost by 24. South Carolina, they only ran the ball for 98 yards and 2.7 yards per attempt. They won that game, but they only won that game by seven points against a South Carolina team that was falling apart by that point. So when they don't run the football well, it hasn't been many times this year, but when they don't run the ball well, they really struggle to win football games. Sometimes they get blown out. Sometimes they struggle to beat teams they should, they should blow out. So they want to run the football and they need to run the football. They need to run it well. They need to do it well in order to be able to really function like they have the past couple of weeks. But here's the thing, guys. This is why I, I was going to maybe use this as a reason for optimism, but I saved it for um, key to the victory here. I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling pretty good. I know Missouri is the best. I told you they're the best team we played since, since Florida and the best team we played other than Florida and, and Alabama. But they need to run the football. That's a key part of what they do offensively. Larry Roundtree is a workhorse for them. But we're still number three nationally in rush defense. We're still number three, guys. Even though we've had some issues against the pass, we're still number three against the run in all of America. There's actually only two teams that have gone over 100 yards on the ground against us, and nobody has gone over 147 and 3.5 yards per rush, which was Alabama. So again, I think if we stop the run, we win this game. Because if we stop the run, they don't have the tight end personnel. They don't have the wide receiver personnel to completely just get, get away from the run and still put up big numbers like maybe Florida. Like Florida didn't have to run the football against us to still be able to beat us because they had guys that were mismatches for us. You had Kyle Pitts, you got Kadarius Tony. They had they just had created some mismatches running backs out of the backfield. They didn't have to run the football, but that's not this Missouri offense. They need to run the football for that passing game to really work. And if we can stop the run, that passing game's not going to work. And if the passing game doesn't work, then what are they going to be able to do? So I think that's the key. I think we'll be able to do it. But that is certainly the key to this game. But uh, all right, guys, that's it, Charlie, right? We out of here? 
That's it. That's it. That's all, folks. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. You know we always appreciate it. We love you guys. Thanks for taking time to listen to us here. Forgive us for our rant to open the show. Forgive Charlie. No, it wasn't me. It was Charlie. Charlie brought that up. But um, had fun talking about a little football today, guys. Always fun. So thanks for listening. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.